we are looking at the book of Jonah together. And uh, we are heading into chapter 3. Um, today is about second chances. And, uh, and I was thinking a little bit about uh, this as I was preparing uh, this message. And, um, and I remember, I mean, I've had lots of second chances in my life. It's something that I'm very grateful for. And I, and I remember when I was at school, I met this girl, okay? And, uh, and I was in sixth form, and she was in year nine. Now, that kind of sounds a bit weird, you know, just when you're in school together. And, uh, but I really fancied her. And she was only three and a half years younger than me. That's, that's not a big difference at all, is it? But in school, that kind of feels like a big difference. When I was in sixth form, she was in year nine. And I remember I really fancied this girl. And, uh, and, and so I kind of I, I pursued her in a very shy fashion because uh, I was a very shy kid. And I didn't really, really want to talk to her. I wasn't very good at that. And so actually, I came up with a few different solutions. And the first solution was on Valentine's Day. I thought, oh, I'm going to get a Valentine's card and I'm going to put it in her register so that it'll come out in the middle of her class. And I, I don't have to talk to her, but she's going to get her Valentine's card from me. And uh, so I did this, and then it just, just ended up as a really embarrassing moment for her in front of her class as her teachers. Valentine's. So that didn't work. And then after that, basically, because of my, because I'm shy, I basically, I just got my mate to call her up and be like, hey, my mate fancies you. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and the whole thing was a little bit of a disaster, and we never got together. And, uh, and she basically just thought I was this kind of sort of old weirdo uh, in the sixth form. I was like, who is this guy? And it was all a little bit unfortunate. And so I, I was a bit crestfallen, and I left school, uh, and I never got the girl. But about four years later, I, I happened to be driving along the road, and I suddenly saw Charlotte again. And, uh, and this was my second chance. This girl that I fancied in school, she was now in the sixth form, so it was okay. And, um, and I pulled up, and I offered her a lift home, and 12 months later, we were married. And it was great, and so that was my second chance. And I am so grateful in my life that I've had so many second chances at things. You know, we often put ourselves under a lot of pressure, don't we, in life? And we say that we, say that we only get one shot at this thing called life. You know, but I believe that actually our lives are made of lots of shots. You know, and, and there's an amazing truth about the fact that we get to have a lot of shots. And I am so grateful for the extra shots that I've been able to have, the second chances that I've been offered in so many different areas of my life. I don't, is anyone grateful for second chances today? Yeah, I think, I think we all are. You know, the truth is we all make lots of mistakes and we don't often get things right first time. And really, that is what the book of Jonah is about. The book of Jonah is about a guy who makes mistakes. A messed up guy going to a city full of messed up people. It's about the fact that God uses us, gives us second chances. And I'm so grateful for that. And in fact, I've been really encouraged just, uh, just looking through this chapter, uh, which we're going to read uh, together today. So I'm going to start from uh, Jonah 2, verse 10, because it's one of the best verses in the Bible. And then we're going to go through chapter 3 together. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. 
Now Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city and proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God and a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne and he took off his royal robes. He covered himself with sackcloth and he sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation that he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and he did not bring upon them the destruction that had been threatened. Why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you that you are a God who is full of compassion and forgiveness, that you are a God of second chances. You love us. And Jesus, we pray that you would be with us as we just spend a few moments looking at your word together this morning. Encourage us, challenge us. Jesus, we want to be a little bit more like you when we read Uh, your word and when we leave this place. Amen. 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 So, hey, just to catch you up, uh, if you're not super familiar with this uh, story, uh, Jonah has basically been given a message by God uh, to give to the Ninevites, to this amazing city that was uh, a part of the Assyrian Empire, but he didn't want to do it. Uh, in fact, uh, this city represented his mortal enemies, really. Uh, and so he went in the opposite direction and he ran away from the call that God had given him. Uh, and of course, this is an infamous story uh, in the Bible. As Jonah runs away, he gets caught in a storm, he gets thrown overboard, uh, he gets swallowed by a fish. Uh, and it's like this mad sort of intervention uh, that, that happens to kind of wrestle him back towards the things that God had called him to do. And so we pick up the story here uh, as Jonah uh, has just spent three days and three nights inside the belly of a fish praying to God and kind of being shaped a little bit in who he is. Uh, and then the fish at the command of God vomits Jonah uh, back onto dry land. And then we read that God speaks and calls him a second time. And I was thinking about kind of illustrating this picture for you. But then I kind of thought, actually, do you know what? This is one of these vivid, vivid pictures that Scripture gives us. And there's no point me giving you any analogies. You know, I just want you to think about Jonah stumbling up a beach covered with fish guts and vomit. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna try and think about how I could illustrate this to you, but I don't think you need that. You know, I think you can kind of paint a pretty vivid picture in your head. But this, this is what Scripture lays out for us. We've got this picture of this man who's just been in a belly of a fish, who's been vomited onto dry land. He's disorientated. He stinks. He's messy. Uh, he is stumbling up the beach. And I think what we get here is really, I guess, a picture of the human condition. And in fact, Jonah was here by his own making as well, in a stinking mess. You know, this is a picture 
of the human condition. You know, so often we find ourselves in a mess. In fact, it's, it's easier if we don't think about ourselves. We're going to come back to that and we start looking around because, yeah, we see all sorts of mess around us. You know, our news is kind of full of it. It's full of people who make mistakes. I mean, we've got this kind of crazy situation around Brexit at the moment. I'm not going to preach a sermon on Brexit. And, and actually, it doesn't even matter what your politics are, but we know it's a mess. You know, whatever you think, whatever your beliefs are, it's a mess. And, and it seems like we're just seeing mistake after mistake being played out. You know, this is something we see in our media all the time. You know, celebrity culture kind of almost celebrates the messes that we find ourselves in. You know, we sort of live in this reality TV, celebrity-fueled media world uh, that really focuses on the things that people get wrong and the ways that relationships don't work and, uh, and the way that people make mistakes around finance and attitudes. Uh, it's so easy to just kind of buy into this sort of reality celebrity soap opera that gets played out before us and just reinforces to us the fact that we're all just a little bit messed up. You know, I mean, I was just reading the news this morning when I got up and one of the things that came up on top of the BBC website was, you know, Justin Bieber apologising for a silly April Fool's prank uh, that basically all of his fans got really concerned about. And and now he's apologising for a mistake. And that's news. This is news on the BBC News website. You know, we're just reinforced over and over that we don't get it right. And actually, then when we turn to ourselves and we look at ourselves and... Well, then actually we know we don't get it right. You know, and it's easy to judge ourselves and think, well, gosh, I've failed in this and I've failed in that. You know, this relationship has broken down. This business hasn't worked out the way that I hoped it would. You know, I said that thing and I was really angry. You know, I wrote that ridiculous tweet and now it's come back to haunt me. You know, we, we all make mistakes. We get things wrong and we end up in a mess actually, if we're honest, in a mess that we have caused by the things that we have done. And we find ourselves a little bit like this picture of Jonah, stumbling along the beach, stinking and messy. You know, but the story of Jonah is an amazing story of hope. Uh, And in fact, I love, verse 1 here, right in the first chapter, these amazing words. It says, the word of God came to Jonah a second time. You know, now I want to get that in the picture. You know, Jonah is here. He's in a mess. He's been disobedient. He's stumbling around and he stinks. And it's into this moment that the word of God comes to Jonah a second time. You know, God didn't wait for Jonah to get himself cleaned up. He didn't say, actually, you've got to earn my voice in your life again. You know, he didn't say, well, actually, I'm going to go and find someone else to do the things that I need to be done. You know, he came and he met Jonah in the midst of his mess. And the word of God came to him a second time. You know, Jonah hadn't missed his calling. God met him in the muck. You know, this is a story of hope, and actually this is hope that we can all grasp hold of. God's word came to Jonah a second time. And I believe that God wants to say to some of us today, you haven't missed it. You haven't missed your calling. Because you're not defined by your mess. 
I want to come and meet you in the midst of your mess. You know, and this is really the good news, isn't it? There's an amazing verse in in Romans where Paul uh, is kind of talking to the church there in Rome about how this all works. And he says in Romans 5, 8, he says, God demonstrates his own love to us like this. God died for us while we were still sinners. You know, what an amazing truth that our God died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't rescue us because we were good people. He didn't rescue us because we were particularly clean and nice. He came and he met us in the mess and extended to us a second chance. You know, what an amazing truth, what an amazing hope uh, that we have because of what Jesus has done for us. Not because we deserved it, but because he loves us us you know this is the truth of the gospel that God died for us while we were still sinners you know it doesn't matter if you are sitting here today kind of stinking of regret or sort of missed opportunity because the truth is it's not your mess that matters but it's the message that matters the message of hope that is extended to each and every one of us There's nothing that you have done or could do that's going to disqualify you from the things that God is calling you to do. You know, this is what we learn here in this book, Jonah. But, but, you know, this is not just about me and you. It's not not just about Jonah, uh, this book. The the amazing thing here is that God doesn't just reach out and offer a second chance to Jonah, to his prophet, to his guy. You know, God offers second chances to messed up people, but God also offers second chances to to messed up cities. So we kind of see this story of Nineveh. If you know anything about Nineveh, you'll know that basically it's just not a nice place. Uh, it's not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend Googling it. You know, Googling Nineveh is a little bit like sort of Googling your symptoms before you go to the doctors and you just kind of end up with all this horrific stuff that comes up uh, online. You know, Nineveh was an awful, awful place. You know, the whole Assyrian Empire uh, really was fueled with violence. Uh, and actually Nineveh was kind of like the hot point of it. And if you do Google it, you can find that there are still uh, kind of things that are inscribed today uh, and held in museums that kind of detail some of the horrific things that the Assyrian Empire used to do to their captives. I mean, it's horrific. They were renowned for their violence, for their cruelty, for the way that they trafficked people out of their lands uh, and abused them. You know, this is what the city of Nineveh represented. A violent fueled, fear-filled place. They were a proud place as well. In fact, they were very, very wealthy. They loved to build walls. <laughs> they had this thing about building walls along the Tigris, which is this river uh, where they were. You know, to demonstrate their power. They were violent. They were wealthy and they were proud. This is what Nineveh represented. And I guess in as much as Jonah represents something in his mess of each of our individual human conditions, I guess if we're honest, Nineveh actually kind of represents something of the worst of the conditions of our cities today. You know, London is a difficult place to live sometimes. We know, we talk about it a lot, we pray about it a lot. The violence that we have on our streets here in London, the knife crime particularly, something we're reading a lot about in, in the media here 
in London. Uh, knife crime has risen. Uh, fatal stabbings reached the highest level since the Second World War on our streets in London. The Metropolitan Police, uh, over the last couple of years, dealt with 29,232 knife offences in two years. So on average, that's about 40 offences a day. You know, this is something we read a lot about, and it's a horrible thing. It's something we pray about because we know it breaks God's heart, and we know it needs to change. Now, some of you will know, uh, you know, we had an amazing opportunity to be able to partner with the police last year to provide a base for a, a series of raids that happened to try and release people from trafficking, particularly around forced labour. Uh, it's a great privilege to be able to work with the police in that. Uh, we've just written a report, and, um, and it, it's horrific what's going on under our noses here in London. You know, trafficking and modern slavery is, is not coming to an end. It remains a significant problem in our capital. Home Office estimates that there are over 10,000 slaves uh, here in England at the moment. Uh, the Church of England, uh, they've got an anti-slavery arm called Clua, uh, and, and they launched an initiative which is basically an app uh, that people can use if they think that they've witnessed someone who might be being abused and put in forced labour, particularly focused around car washing. Uh, and in the first few months that they launched this app, they had over a 1,000 people reporting people who were potentially being trafficked. We have huge problems in London today. We are a city that is in a mess. You know, the story of Jonah, the story that we read today, is a story of hope. It is a story of hope. And this is a hope that we must cling on to. You know, the word of God comes to Nineveh. A second chance is offered. A message is brought, and it's a message both of justice and it's a message of judgment. When Simon started our uh, little series a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned a book by Timothy Keller called The Prodigal Prophet on Jonah, and uh, and I'd really recommend you to read it. I'm just reading it a second time at the moment. I found it such uh, an encouraging book, and he's got this amazing chapter uh, that he entitles um, Doing Justice, Preaching Wrath. Doing Justice, Preaching Wrath. And he kind of, he uses this chapter of his book to talk about the uh, kind of the, the two sides of the coin, I guess, that we find when we, when we talk about the good news about Jesus, that we want to extend justice, we want to extend social care and transformation, uh, we want to offer grace and mercy uh, in every level of our society, we want to see justice happened. Uh, but actually, as a church, we also need to talk about truth and we need to talk about Uh, God and we need to talk about the need for forgiveness and uh, repentance. Uh, One of the things that Timothy Keller talks about is how actually the reality is in in our churches today, many of us who care so deeply about social justice and are involved in social reform and community transformation, uh, often the pendulum will swing so far that we actually don't spend a lot of time talking about sin and forgiveness and the need for repentance. Whereas on the flip side, actually those of us who, uh, who, who have a real kind of truth mindset and we really want to wrestle with scripture and really understand actually that God is a God who judges and God is a God uh, who, whose anger burns against sin, well actually so often we can focus on that so much that we forget the fact that we want to be doing justice 
uh, and we want to extend a hand of mercy uh, and we want to be compassionate and forgiving and loving in our communities. Uh, And Timothy Keller makes this amazing point about how we must do both. You know, this is a both thing. You know, we are called to preach against sin and to call that out, but we are also called to do justice. And we need to find the balance in there. I guess it's not really a balance. You've just got, you've got to do both, isn't it? It's not like you can... It ha- I mean, even talking about it, it's, it's kind of difficult because I'm, they kind of rub against each other sometimes. But as a church, we need to wrestle with how we do both really, really well. You know, we've got a big vision here to make disciples, to transform communities, to plant churches. And actually, I love the fact that we kind of capture that in these first two pillars, don't we, of our vision, that we say we want to make disciples here. You know, it's a key part of who we are. We want people to understand who God is and understand how it is that we need to choose to follow him and make very specific choices in our lives to orientate ourselves around following Jesus. But we we also want to transform communities. Yeah, I know a number of you have been praying with us as we've been thinking about some of the new community initiatives that we are doing here, particularly locally here in Shadwell and, uh, and Wapping, uh, but also supporting other things further afield across London uh, and beyond, as we talked about with the police last year. We had some really exciting news uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've just been awarded a, a new grant that we've a proposal out for uh, to enable us to, to augment some of our community provision here uh, around in this area. You know, to really come and, uh, and extend kind of a hand, uh, I guess, of, of God's grace and of mercy to this community. To think about how we can really bless uh, the people in this community. Uh, and, and genuinely see some transformation in this community. Trouble is, we just pull out stats so often that say how bad things are getting. You know, I'd love us as a church to be able to be pulling out some stats about how much better things are getting to, to be able to say, this is the way that our community is transforming for the better. And here's some stats that we have seen because we are seeing justice come and we are seeing this community being transformed. So I'm so excited uh, that we are able to step further into that project. And I, and I encourage you, keep praying for the team as they make plans uh, in that yeah, we're really excited about what God is doing. You know, and at the same time, we want to be uh, really thinking about how do we come alongside one another and continue to challenge one another and challenge our community uh, about who Jesus really is and the way that we're called to follow him, to do community transformation, to do uh, discipleship. Because as we do that, we will see uh, a change, but only as we do both together. I was reading the Bible in one year this uh, week, and Nicky Gumbel uh, said this. He said, truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love and love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth and that kind of captures it nicely doesn't it the way that we are called to do both to do justice to do love but also to do truth to bring a sense of God's judgment and righteousness here in the earth there's an amazing word that is, uh, is used, that Jonah uses, and I feel that Jonah uses it with an awful lot of spite when he says it to Nineveh, where he, he says, uh, in 40 days Nineveh will be overturned. I don't know if you noticed that in the text. I, I spent a bit of time just looking at that word, it kind of caught my attention. Uh, we don't actually hear much of what Jonah says, in fact we only hear a few words. I'm sure he had a whole monologue that he spoke as he was walking around this huge city. 
But the bit that we're told in Scripture is that, that Jonah says, you'll be overturned. Uh, and actually, when you spend some time looking at that word, actually, it literally just means turned. You're going to be you're going to be turned. This place is going to be turned around. And, and I'm sure that Jonah meant it with so much spite and, uh, and the might of kind of the hand of God that might smite them. There's a whole load of eight words there, wasn't there? Kind of might and spite and smite. You know, I think that's kind of what Jonah was meaning. But actually, it fascinated me because it's actually kind of similar to what Jesus begins to preach when he begins his earthly ministry in hundreds of years later but it doesn't come out with so much spite or might or or smite Jesus says repent and be baptized there's an invitation rather than a threat an invitation to turn you know the word to repent literally just means to turn to turn you know and our invitation from Jesus, who compared himself to Jonah. The invitation, not the threat, is to repent, to turn to him. Uh, And actually, as we do that, as as is modelled for us by the city of Nineveh, the compassion of God is seen. And this is why Jonah is such a story of hope. The fact that God comes and meets messed up people. And he meets messed up cities. But as they turn, his compassion is just released all over them. You know, God loves us. He is desperate for us to know his love. And as we turn towards him, as we just choose to trust him and turn, we find not judgment or a kind of mighty smite, but we find compassion and grace and care. This is the story of Jonah. God offers second chances for messed up people. Second chances for a messed up city. Second chances for a messed up world. As we just kind of come to a close, I want you to kind of cast your mind back to just that picture of Jonah stumbling up the beach. Just this picture of the human condition. Jonah stumbling around in a mess of his own making. But as we think of this picture, I want us to remember that alongside Paul's encouragement to us, that God shows us his love. How? By the fact that Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. God uses messed up people to extend his grace, his message of love to messed up cities in a messed up world so that we might all turn together and trust in our God of love and compassion.